If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock-Bromley. All right. Welcome back to the One Voice Podcast. I'm really pumped today because we have with us a guest that I just think spits so much knowledge and wisdom, but just with such kindness and care. Um, I've been listening to her podcast for a little bit, following her on Instagram. Um, Jay Nicole is with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm just honored. I'm excited, ready to get into the conversation. I love what you guys do. So I definitely count it as an honor to be on your show. Cool. Well, so Jay Nicole, you're from New Jersey. Yes. yes. And you're also known as the grief bully, which I think is so creative. <laughs> yes, I am the grief bully for sure. And <laughs> I think I've been the grief bully for about, I don't know, since 2019-ish. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the grief bully basically through the pandemic. I mean, that's something there's a lot of grief going on. And I think it's really important to talk about grief. And I think that's what has been such a powerful thing that you've created this platform to basically be fighting grief together. And I think that's a really cool concept because it goes alongside what we've been doing at the One Voice podcast in like creating community, finding other people who've gone through the same thing and realizing you're not alone. And like, we didn't ask for this. We didn't want to become abuse survivors. Right. But here we are. And we have this thing in our life, this journey that we're on together. And since we're on it, we might as well find other people that are on it too, and help us along the way. And that's sort of what you're doing with grief, right? Yes, definitely. That's pretty much what it is. Actually, the grief bully, the whole concept came from the fact that I myself personally was tired of my grief beating me up. And so I decided to fight back and then also try to rally a community of people, the very thing that you said, so that other people who are bereaved or dealing with loss can know that they're not alone. And so together we're stronger. So I'm like, hey, if this thing's going to keep hitting us, we got to fight back. We have a choice. Our our joy is a choice. Our healing is a choice. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that because you can be getting beat down. But I think we all feel a lot stronger together. Yeah, absolutely. So your podcast is called the Grief Bully Podcast. You've also put out a guided journal called the Grief Bully. It's all just like navigating loss. It's navigating grief. It's mental health. It's wellness in general. I just love the concept. I think um, it's just really important to find a place where we can talk about hard things. And that's what you've been doing. And so I wonder if you'd be willing to even take us into um, just a deep dive, uh, you know, just a snapshot of your story, your journey, sort of um, what caused you to begin to grieve in your life, if you're willing to share some of that part of your story, um, if that feels comfortable to you today, but mostly just, you know, why did you decide to even talk about it? For sure. No, I'm an open book. So I'm not really, I'm not really shy about conversation. 
I think, especially when you're speaking of taboo topics like grief and loss and mental health and survivors and so many different things, I think is really important for us to use our voice. So I'm totally open book, just kind of to circle back from the beginning of where I really felt like my voice had a purpose as far as grief was concerned. So back in 2013, I lost one of my close friends. She unfortunately passed away May 25th. And so it's been about nine years coming up on nine years. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I was more of a spoken word artist. So the grief fully really Mm -hmm. wasn't a fully fully developed, but Jay Nicole was here. So I started doing spoken word poetry (laughs) about- That is not surprising to me at all. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a good communicator. So that Uh, that all lines up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, far too kind. And so I started doing that at that time. I did like a stage play about it. And so I just originally just started fighting against grief because I felt like facing that loss, a lot of my peers, we really didn't know how to navigate it except for saying like, oh, I know you're really sad. I I know you guys were cool. I know you guys were close and just things like that. But internally, I felt like it was so difficult. Like I still struggle with that loss to this day and it's been almost nine years. So then fast forward to 2016, March 15th, actually. So we're coming up on a couple years now, six years now of losing my grandmother. And that was very detrimental to me. My grandmother was my absolute world, one of my very best friends, and it was very unexpected. So that was a really, really pivotal time in my life where I truly remember feeling like I was mentally just spiraling. Like I in, I felt like I was not myself, but in a way that I hadn't felt before. And I think I can attribute that to when you lose your safety net in life, you kind of can feel yourself just, even though I had a lot of support, a lot of people around me, I I don't want to mistake that, but I still felt so lonely. So I reached out to a grief therapist. I specifically looked for a grief therapist. I had had therapists in the past, but I needed someone that could really help me with this thing because I had never really faced that. I lost my friend. That was tough. Losing my grandmother was like, whoa. And so then Unfortunately, another three years, I lost my father on February 14, 2019. And so that was very difficult as well. A lot of the responsibilities as far as making decisions for his end of life care and just really thrown into the middle of this. And so that really started to take me down. So that was February of 2019. I launched a Grief Bully podcast, actually, August 19, 2019, which is my grandmother's birthday. So I decided to kind of take a, a time that could typically be difficult and yeah. say, hey, you know what? Every year when August 19th comes around, sure, it's my grandmother's birthday and I'm a little taken back that she's not here. But I'm also proud of my podcast and that I decided to use my voice and help other people with loss. I'm a communicator. I'm a talker. I've been getting in trouble for talking too much since I was a kid. <laughs> so a podcast only made sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing such a great thing with it. That brings up, um, and thank you for sharing that. I'm so sorry for all that you have gone through. That's a loss on top of loss on top of loss. And that's a lot. Um, I love what you're saying about how you then turn that pain into something good, something full of joy where you're, you're doing something your grandmother would be proud of on her birthday, launching on her birthday. Um, just the thought of like triggers, right? There's triggers for us as abuse survivors who are on this healing journey, things that remind us of our trauma, our perpetrator, all these things, but there's also triggers towards our grief, right? Yeah. And so the, the idea of, you know, some, a certain day that can be super triggering, um, every year 
towards our trauma or towards our grief that you could, you know, make it into something full of love and light like that. That's really powerful. I wonder if you have anything to say about, about triggers or reclaiming that or, or allowing yourself to even feel some of it. Cause for me, you know, there's certain triggers in my life where I'm, I, I want to sit with it. Like I want to cry. I want to be mad. I want to feel all the things I want to journal. I want to, you know, I want to do it. I want to live in it because I feel like being able to be in it sometimes helps me get through it. And maybe the next year it won't be like that. But then there's other times where I want to listen to my body and listen to myself and say, nope, I really don't. Like, I want to turn this into something great today. I'm going to do some like amazing self-care today, you know? So I wonder what is it like for you with yeah grief triggers or what would you even to our audience suggest? For sure. So a couple of things there. My father actually passed away on Valentine's Day. Oh wow! <laughs> so, mm. so when you talk about triggers, we just come. We're just coming off of that right now. <laughs> and this year actually was one of the better times. I, I kind of make a spin on it, and I'm saying, you know, of course, like my dad was a lover, like mm-hmm. for my forever Valentine. Like just trying to lean in that way. And and I'm married. Okay. And I don't always want Valentine's Day to be this heavy day in our lives. So we decided to lean in this year, and it was a lot better. But I think I never want to portray a picture that I always have the positive spin or the positive Mm -hmm. answers and that I I don't go into rabbit holes. And like yourself, sometimes I do want to just allow myself to mourn and to feel that. So later that day, I made it through the entire day. And then at the end, I actually ended up crying as I was making like a Facebook post about it. And that's okay. I think our tears have power and we want to do that. But the biggest thing when it comes to triggers and just where we are, I look at it like everything is a decision. So even if you feel like you don't, you couldn't control the act or what happened to you or the trauma, you can control the narrative after. So although it may not be easy, I'm not saying you just say, hey, I want to get over this. I want to get through this. I'm just going to do it. But I take that intentional act every day. So I make the intention that joy is a choice and I don't want to stay here. Triggers for me can be so small. I was eating dinner last evening. We actually had breakfast for dinner. So shout out to us for being creative there. And it's just so funny. Pancakes all day, every day. Yeah, pancakes are, are my, my, my jam for sure. So I'm eating. I had grits and eggs. This Ooh. is going to sound so silly, I know. But I kind of like eat it as a combo. Grits, eggs, cheese. I don't eat bacon anymore. But when I did, I would eat bacon. So now I do like a, a, a veggie sausage with it, right? But okay. the combination of the taste took me back to my grandmother's dining room totally get it. Mm-hmm. she was like a grits like southern bell southern hospitality like she always had breakfast ready for whoever was popping by or going to be there and grits was a big thing she told me they told me how to eat grits eat the hot eat from the outside to the middle because that's where it's like cooler until it gets hotter <laughs> anyway so this just happened to me last night I'm eating and I'm like starting to feel sad, like while mm-hmm. I'm eating. And I'm just like, because it just takes me to a familiar place. And yeah. that can happen out of anywhere. I mean, I'm eating, I'm not thinking I'm going to start feeling sad about my grandmother That's right. passing yeah. away. So yeah, triggers right. are a real thing. And um, you just have to be conscious of what that is for you. And mm-hmm. be curious about what it brings up and explore and see what you can learn. 
Absolutely. Oh, I love that answer. Just being curious and willing to explore what you can learn from it. Because there's always so much growth on these journeys that we're on the grief journey, the healing journey. It's whether or not we're willing to be curious and to explore the next steps ahead of us. That's so powerful. Thanks, Jane Nicole, for that. I wanted to pop over real quick to remind you about Unleash. It is our eight-week e-course and virtual support group for survivors of sexual abuse. And we've been running them for over a year now. It's been an amazing, amazing experience. And I've loved walking with so many survivors on their healing journey and just going deeper, like we've been talking about in this podcast. Um, It's so brave and it's such an amazing thing to be able to say, I'm worth it and I'm going to do this healing work and I'm going to step into these brave spaces with these other brave survivors. And just the community has been in a beautiful, a beautiful process for them and for, for their healing road ahead. So if you're a survivor and interested in joining us for the next course, please go online at IamOneVoice.org. You'll find all the information there and you can book online now and reserve your spot. Each group is a very, very small group. We max out at eight survivors. Um, just to keep it as a safe space, a small virtual space um, where you truly will experience belonging and find freedom for your wild soul. Also wanting to talk to you a little bit about how, you know, I think grief encompasses so much in our lives. And oftentimes when we hear the word, we think of, you know, our loved ones, like the loss of a loved one. But I think it's important to, wouldn't you agree, like the loss of a pet can be just as hard and can take so long. And I I think it's important for us to understand that there's no judgment on the length of time or what we're grieving, but also the, the loss of specifically for our audience, um, of what it was supposed to be the loss of, you know, what life could have been without abuse or domestic violence or trauma, whatever it was. Um, do you find in your work and, and having, you know, spent a lot of time communicating with people who are in grief that, um, it doesn't really matter what the loss is. It's all very similar to their journeys, or do you find it a little bit different for, for those who may be, you know, grieving, you know, for instance, the loss of the mother I deserved or the, the teenage years that I could have had, had, you know, the rape not happened or versus actually grieving like a life. Do you feel like it's a little different or is it similar just because it's grief? So, so grief by definition is deep sorrow. So you're Mm. absolutely right. Everything that you mentioned, all those different facets and complexities of loss are Mm -hmm. definitely valid. And Mm. that can not be, sometimes I think it can be a little more challenging when you are grieving the living because sometimes I look at it like death is so final and it's like, Hey, there, there aren't any more opportunities for reconciliation in the tangible way. Of course you can do work with a therapist and, and find some reconciliation and resolve within that, even if the person has passed away, but say, for example, when you don't have a good relationship with or an absent relationship of a parent or a sibling, or you have experienced a loss of your identity or who you could have been or what you thought your life should be like, I think those things are very difficult to, to process and should absolutely be something that we speak about and talk about. I don't I, I like to say, though, 
I, I guess it's, I would say that all grief is, I wouldn't necessarily say equal. And, and what I mean by that is this, it's like, if I fall off a bike, um, could be hurt, but if I get ran over by a car, um, I'm also hurt, but in a different level of hurt. Right. Yep. So I don't think that we, I have any right to tell someone what, how their grief compares to someone else's mm-hmm. or how different types of loss in their life compares to each other. I think loss yeah. is loss, but for myself, mm-hmm. experiencing death has been the most difficult for me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. maybe perhaps the people that I lost, because there are people who haven't had complicated losses in terms of death, but then mm-hmm. someone who went through a divorce could feel equally as, as broken and, and mm-hmm. as hurt. I think it also depends on your perspective of your life. So like mm-hmm. you said, hey, what was my life going to be like? If I had a vision that I was going to go to college, I was going to be a professional athlete, I was going to do all these things, and then my leg is broken and it can never be repaired and now I can't play again. You, we might think that's silly for someone to be so like broken up by that, but hey, that was that person's vision for their life. And now that's yep. no longer an option for them. So mm-hmm. to be able to just pivot when we're navigating loss, I think it also depends on grief will meet you where you are. So mm-hmm. I think that's important to, to recognize here is that if I'm someone who was already struggling with, let's say, depression or anxiety or maybe suicidal ideations and things like that, and then I experience a loss of whatever degree, that can really be a cocktail for disaster. Yeah, Opposed that's to right. someone who may have already been in professional counseling, have been doing the work, perhaps medicated or whatever it is, and then they are faced with a loss. Not that it's not going to hurt, not that it won't be challenging, but they may have more resources and skill sets to kind of help them. Or what I like to say is I've learned to trust myself with my emotions. So when I do unravel and I get like really upset and broken, it's okay. I'm not scared of it because I've, I've allowed myself to do that before. So I know that I can bounce back versus someone who hasn't allowed themselves to really mourn whatever their losses or experiences were. Man, Jay Nicole speaking to how I think just in society, we gauge pain, like you were saying, and we, you know, don't understand other people's pain if we haven't been there. But I remember a counselor early on when I first started looking at my sexual abuse as a child and dismissing stuff and downplaying and they went through worse and why am I struggling so much? And she just said the line, your pain is your pain is your pain. Like that's it. Whatever hurts, it hurts. And that's legit. And that's real. Um, and I think for some of us, especially abuse survivors, um, you know, it, it's hard to connect with that because I want to be disconnected from it because it hurts to be connected to that pain because it solidifies it and validates it really did happen. And that's scarier being so close to it. But over time, obviously with our healing journey, you get a little more familiar and it's less scary once you're able to look it in the eye and go, okay, like you said, fighting back and getting it its face. And you're not going to be that monster in my closet anymore like I'm taking you out. So, you know, I think it's just validating that pain wherever we are in our journey um, is so important. Yeah, Mary, I definitely agree with you on that. I think it's super important, but without podcasts like this or women like yourselves who feel brave and confident enough to share your story, to say to that person who was feeling like their pain was, was minor compared to what someone else is going through, it's harder to heal. But if you can see that, hey, you know what? She went through this as well. He went through that as well. And and that is real. And I'm not alone and and I'm not crazy. I'm not being dramatic or Mm -hmm. whatever, because 
I think the reality is we are getting better in, in the late, latter years mm-hmm. of creating yeah. space for our mental health and wellness as a society, but we still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. There are just some people, but I, I talked about this recently that some people just can't like show up for us or for ourselves, not due to a lack of willingness, but due to a lack of life experience mm-hmm. or knowledge. So sometimes when people say things to survivors or to people who are dealing with any type of sorrow and trauma, I don't always think it's intentional to be mm-hmm. offensive or ignorant, but it's just due to, I, I like, I haven't experienced that. So mm-hmm. even if someone has experienced the loss of a parent and I have experienced the loss of my father, I haven't lost my mother. So like, I can't just say, oh, I, you know, I lost a parent, so I know how you feel. I can, I can relate to an extent, but I, I didn't walk in your shoes. My circumstances weren't a hundred percent like yours. So right. although we can find commonality and strength in our stories, we're also very different and mm-hmm. very unique people. And we have to give everyone space to move accordingly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And also just a really good tip is never say, oh yeah, I can relate. Cause, cause that, 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 like, that's just, that just needs to be learned from all angles. Like don't turn someone else's story into yours. Like we just have to be able to listen. Listen is so important, like to people's healing, to their friendship. Like if you want to be there for somebody, we've got to just simply be able to sit down and listen and allow them to tell us what they need instead of telling them what we think they need. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. I think it also goes to the point of, we all have a self-care language, like a self-care love language. And I learned this more recently. And so the -hmm. way in which I give support and the way that you receive support are very different. So That's some, right. a lot of times people ask me, hey, how do I support someone no matter what they're going through? I've had conversations and interviews with survivors. I've, I've spoken to so many different people. And so how you support someone and, and you're racking your brain, like, what do I say? What do I do? So ask the person, just say, what does support look mm-hmm. like to you? And, and let them tell you because that person might say, I want to be alone, or I would prefer you reach out to me a little more often or whatever the case is. And so we have to do that. But like you said, Nicole, it's very important for us to be understanding listeners and Mm -hmm. actually here. I'm not, I I have gotten better with that as an interviewer. I think that helped me in my personal life to become a better listener because I'm so solution driven Mm -hmm. and solution oriented that if you were to call me up and say, Hey, Jane, Nicole, I just got to talk to you. I'm going through this right now. When I'm listening to you, typically I'm trying to find a solution for you. I'm trying to like help you get through this where you might just be venting. So mm-hmm. now what we practice in our home is, is this a venting conversation or a solution <laughs> conversation? Right. Like, what, do you, what do you need from me right now? So I can operate in that person versus just being who I am first naturally. Cause that's not always beneficial. Hmm. That's really humble of you. And I think it's important. It's, you know, for our relationships, it's very important. We're all going through stuff and whether we're going to show up for people the way that we want them to show up for us, or are we going to show up the way they need us to and communications key? That's really good. Um, do you think that people in general just don't really know how to grieve? I find that common, at least with the, the people that I work with. I feel like a lot of times we just don't know where to start. <laughs> There's all this like heaviness. And like you said, deep sorrow. And it's just like, it's just so big. I don't even know how to begin to grieve to get to the other side of it. 
I'm wondering if you've seen that, if you feel like that, and then what do you suggest to people who are at that place? For sure. I think it's very common. I I think because again, I had a man on my show recently who he lost his father at the age of 12, but he didn't cry about it till he was 28. Okay. Yeah. I've met those. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, again, it's how you were brought up, perhaps how you were raised your experiences that I know people who just don't cry. Yeah. You know, the same person said that when people used to cry, he, he considered it like disgusting, like it was such a weakness. So that's mm-hmm. like coming from a man, you know, think yeah. that it's even perhaps a little more complicated just based on societal norms and, and how they've had that. But just taking it out of gender also, I think it just depends on hmm. what you're able to see and what you're willing to feel because it is scary. So grieving is more so from my education and experience of the inward thinking processing of your loss, where mourning is actually like an outward expression. It's like grief going wild, grief going public. So (laughs) crying and talking about it, kicking and screaming. And so I think it's just uncomfortable for us to actually mourn Hmm. without like that encouragement or validation sometimes. So, hey, yeah, your, your person died or, hey, yeah, you were abused. That's, that's some tough stuff. I mean, I think that that's every right for you to, to cry or to feel sad or to have anger, you know, towards your, your abuser or the people mm-hmm. around you that didn't protect you. Like these are real things. And we just would be surprised how many people just aren't feeling like they have permission to that's do that point. because yeah. of kind of what Mary was saying is that, well, sure, my mom died, but I did have her for like 50 years. Because somewhere along the line, somebody probably said that to you. Yeah, so toxic positivity. In, yeah, we take this stuff in unconsciously, but really yeah. it's, it's, it's in our mind. And we somewhere along the line, someone said that to us. And so we're like, ah, I really shouldn't complain. And then if you bring spirituality into it, religion into it, from what I've seen, and just again, I'm only speaking from my experiences, that makes it even challenging. Because mm-hmm. in say, for example, in like Christianity, there is a belief that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you're like, hey, why should I cry about this person dying when they're now with God? And it's like, yeah, I understand what you're (laughs) saying there. But as a human being person that's really dealing with this, this is tough. So again, I'm not trying to make a a platform about religion or anything or or combat anybody's personal beliefs. But what I'm just saying is from my experience, what I see Mm -hmm. a lot of people I know struggle Uh, to allow themselves to mourn and to grieve because sometimes they feel like they shouldn't they don't have a right this is this is like the way of life or hey I I was abused but guess what I'm still here that person this these more difficult things happen to them so why should I cry so it's also a comparison game and I think Mm -hmm. I think social media also comes into play too now where it can make it even harder to feel like your your sorrow your sadness or your your feelings are okay because everyone's showing for the most part they're highlight reels. So everyone's life is good. Everyone's happy and smiling and just living mm-hmm. it up and enjoying. So like, why am I here with this pity party? But those people are struggling too. I know mm-hmm. people personally that post on social media and I know that their life in the background is not well, but if you don't right. know them, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. So like, we're also in that, in that fight as well, I think. Yeah, I agree. Do you think there's anything to be said about you going back to what you were saying earlier about you know, people grow up in different situations and, you know, they may have heard this thing. So now they're just, you know, 
repeating what they've heard to make themselves feel better to get through the grief. What about for those who legit feel like I'm good? Like I've got a friend grew up in the hood and it's just like kind of this thing of like, he lost a parent like early and it's always just like, how have you never cried about that? Like, and he's seriously just like, I'm good. Like, I'm good. But like everybody else is like, how do you think that, that there's something there? Like you, does, do the people around him need to almost like pop that zit or is it more just like allow him to sit in what it is for him? That's how it is for him. That's what he's saying. We listen and we honor that. Or what's that look like to you? If that yeah, person, no, you. to me, no, that's hundred percent. I think it's just like addiction too. So mm. like, I cannot, I can, t- I could drive you. I could put your behind right inside of an addiction recovery place and mm. you can get yourself right up and walk right out and go back <laughs> to what you were doing. So yeah, it's good like, comparison. In, in, in the reality is you have to want it. A mm-hmm. person has to want it. And just because we want them to, to explore, we feel like, Hey, if you look at this or you feel this, or you express this, you'll probably feel better. I don't know that. And a person might just feel most comfortable. And, and this is another key word here. They might just feel safe hmm. in their pain where they are. It could be perplexing to us, but at the same time, Hey, that's what, you know, if, if yeah. someone is someone who might've been raised in an urban area or a hood mm-hmm. area or whatever the case is, again, the, the way of life and what you have experienced to that point prior to the loss of your parents, sometimes it forms a different hardening to people yeah. and to their mm-hmm. shell. So yeah, you losing a parent is, is very detrimental to you. But also, I think this is the other key part is, and I don't know your friend, but just because we say parent doesn't mean that there was a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we get caught up in like, oh, my, you know, that person lost their parent or their brother, or their sister, whomever, but they might be closer to their friends and have more love there with their friends than they do with those people. So that's also important to to recognize because I, I was shocked before when uh, I was talking to someone and they're like, no, I'm actually not really sad about this person's death. Mm-hmm. Like that person tormented me. That person wasn't yeah. good. So I'm happy that they're dead. I was like, whoa, I never, <laughs> it took me yeah. back because I'm not used to hearing that, but that's facts. Like some people are happy yeah. that people are dead. Yeah. Wow. I really relate to that. Um, in just like honoring where a person is and how they're reacting to it at that time. Because for me, um, after I broke the silence about the sexual abuse in my life, my stepfather took his life and immediately, I mean, I was mad, then I was glad. And then eventually I was sad, you know, like I had to go through different seasons and I think it was important for me to be the one that was driving that train, you know, not someone else telling me how I should be feeling because I knew that I probably should feel sad about this, but I wasn't ready to feel sad then, but then it came later. And then that's when I grieved it, you know? So I think, yeah, that you've really brought an important point up and it's helped me even relating in that way. So thanks so much for that. I'm wondering, um, what do you think about, and Mary, you and I have had this conversation a few times recently about grief before actual loss occurs. Do you feel like that's like a thing? I feel like it's something people don't really talk about. Mary and I have talked about it recently. She's kind of going through some things with that. Just like, you know, that there might be loss coming. Like, when do I start grieving? Do I have to wait till it comes? Do I start now? Or what's that look like? 
Yeah, no, that's a fact. I think you definitely <laughs> can, if you choose to, to grieve prior to actual losses. If we're speaking about loss of loved ones, just because again, that's what my primary experience is in. And, and like my father had been sick for a couple of years. It was just like on and off. And there was times where I thought he was actually going to die. When my grandmother died, they both were sick. So I thought that he was going to die and she wasn't. And then she died and he stayed alive for three more years. I was like, whoa, but I had already in my mind started feeling like any time, like my dad's going to die. Like he gets the flu. If this happens, it's, it's, it's over. And so mm. I kind of had that. And then when you're in the hospital and people are, he's going back and forth and, you know, you start to do that. Key thing here that I can say is that when my grandmother was dying, I didn't, I couldn't see it. Mm. Like I wouldn't accept it. Like my mom, I would not, I was, no, like, it's not happening. Like, I don't yeah. care what the doctors are saying. I don't want to hear this. It's not happening. So I told myself when my dad was dying and it was kind of uncomfortable for some of my family, the way I was speaking, but I was like, no, he's dying. He's dying. I had to tell myself that because I, I just didn't want to go through the torment that I kind of put myself mm -hmm. through by being a little more naive and afraid and scared. And so even though it didn't hurt any less, but I was able to prepare myself as much as you can be prepared because even though, you know, it's going to happen, it still hurt. Like I didn't know it was going to happen, but I was still in a mindset that this is going down. And for me, again, just who I am, it worked better that way than the opposite. But yeah, you can definitely start to grieve losses, grieve relationships. It's just like, if you know that you're going to be probably headed towards divorce, this marriage, this relationship is, mm, not great and then so people are like oh i wonder how this person can just be going out and doing this and that when their situation relationship is so bad mm -hmm. because she's already checked out or he's already i mean this is just this is just about a paperwork being completed it's, it's already done so sometimes yeah. you can you definitely can have that sorrow coming down the road and and, and see it if you choose to yeah that's powerful all of this is so good you are <laughs> girl this is good I really love all that you're sharing. I think you have a lot to offer your podcast. I mean, you're putting them out a lot. I really hope that people will follow you, will, will learn from you. You have great guests. Um, could you share with us just how people can connect with you and um, maybe just like some parting words for those for sure. who might oh, relate you. today? Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate Absolutely. it. I'm willing to come back at any time and we'll have right. to collaborate in other ways as well. Have you all come onto the show? Things like that we can have happen. So yep, the Grief Bully podcast is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Also on YouTube, I'm really trying to big up the YouTube. So I like the visual aspect of things mm -hmm. as well. I hang out the most on Instagram. So definitely don't hesitate to DM me, shoot me a message there. Um, you can follow me at I underscore AM underscore J Nicole. And Remember that your healing is a choice. Your joy is a choice. The happening wasn't on you, but the healing is. So, mm, really good. Really good. Thanks, Jay Nicole. You're awesome. We'll catch okay. you next time. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.